Happy Thursday, y'all, and welcome to This Week in Games by Deconstructor Fun. So um, this is this is a fun episode coming up. We're going to talk about interesting topics. So we're going to talk about um, GameStop, uh, really, uh, basically, you know, the future of GameStop and questioning after the companies failed to secure a buyout. We're going to talk about a free-to-play Titanfall Battle Royale, uh, meaning Apex, which launched, uh, I believe, two days from now. And then we're going to finish up with an article that Zynga proclaims turnaround is now complete as earnings show strong booking trend. Um, I haven't been on this podcast for a couple of weeks. Now I'm back. It was really a lot of fun and a little bit of screw ups on my side, but but just um, just fun, fun to do these. <laughs> I hope you enjoy listening to this uh, this podcast as much as I, uh, I and we enjoyed making it. So, you know, subscribe. Please uh, continue writing, writing that feedback, writing those letters and, you know, giving a little bit of insights and and just please continue enjoying. Ready. Oh, so that's, that's, always, that's always how we should go. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? <laughs> We're live. So I've, I forgot to do the other uh, countdown. So I'm a rookie because I haven't been on this podcast for a while. But uh-huh. thank you for inviting me back. Uh, I kind of missed this. So uh, <laughs> JK, please, and, and Eric. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Twig 22. And yeah, Mishka, it's so good to have you back. So you're not sick, you're not at conferences. Uh, you're not right. Well, I guess you're. Are, are we complete with the prediction posts on? on no, on, we got we got we got strategy and battle royale still left. Nice, nice. And uh, just another shout out, guys. If you haven't read the prediction articles, like I, you know, it's it's like so many people are emailing me the the deconstructor prediction articles. I'm like, guys, I read this. <laughs> I've read this All before. I can you say, stop emailing me. <laughs> Dude, forty-five thousand unique readers. Wow, wow, wow. that's a, that's a lot for uh, for a gaming blog. Oh, I can't wait to actually discuss it on the podcast. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, let's carry us on. But yeah, so again, great to have you back. We've got Eric, we've got Mishka, and yeah, maybe we can jump right in, starting with um, talking about predictions. We did have our prediction on predictions podcast, and one of the things that we questioned during um during that podcast was the the prediction about GameStop. And so the first article is about GameStop's future in question after failing to secure buyout. And so what this article talks about is that uh, GameStop has been in financial trouble for some time. The future of the of the company is now in question after announcing that it is no longer trying to sell itself to another company. And word from uh, the, the official word from a company spokes, spokesman was that GameStop's board has now terminated efforts to pursue a sale of the company due to the lack of available financing. So essentially, the company could not find a buyer since starting to search for a buyer from, I believe it was June of 2018. And just more bad news, sales has dropped more than 5% over the nine-week holiday period. And after this bit of news, the stock plummeted by about 27%. And so while the company has uh, some cash after it sold its spring mobile business, bringing, bringing in about $735 million, still holds a ton of long-term debt and um, does not seem great since, as we mentioned before, the, C- the former CEO, Michael Mahler, quit after only three months of the job. And so 
you know, my basic take here is that um, we talked about GameStop a fair amount on that prediction on Predictions podcast, and as we had mentioned, it, it definitely does seem that GameStop is a dog, and doesn't make much sense from a from an acquisition perspective. Any other takes, guys? Yeah, I mean, I would just kind of weigh in. I mean, you know, private equity. It just didn't make a lot of sense for private equity to get into the their business. I mean. Fundamentally, their business is run by used games and used game sales. If you look at the results, were I think down like sixteen percent or something insanely. And right. without that business, it's just it's going to be hard for them to survive. Um, and I think Calendar nineteen actually looks a little bit rough for them because we just don't have any huge games. There's a few ones like Cyberpunk and a few others that may come, but if those bigger games don't come, there's just nothing that's going to comp Red Dead. So I think their future is a little bit bleak from that perspective. And we should likely see hardware as well as software declines next year. Right. Um, and Switch had a really amazing year, which helped drive sales because of not only um, hardware, software, but also accessories. And I think that's going to slow down in 19 as well. Um, and so what we should expect to see is some closing of underperforming stores. The problem with this is it creates kind of holes in their ecosystem of collecting used games. And so when you start closing stores, you lose even more inventory because you don't have the ability to actually buy used games at these other stores because they may not perform well from a sales perspective, but they may actually be good for um, grabbing um, more used inventory. And then they're going to obviously focus more on collectibles and accessories and even uh, collectible business just seems like a terrible business, but I don't know. So anyway, their future is a little bit, Bleak. I will say, though, that they are likely to survive in some way, um, you know, like in some capacity, but they're just much going to have a much smaller put, footprint going forward is kind of my guess. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's hard to believe if if they can survive. It, it just feels a lot like Blockbuster to me. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can turn, turn things around in some way and survive in some way. We'll see. It'll be a while. <laughs> All right. Should we hit the next article, Eric? Sure, Eric? yeah. The next one is about um, Anthem. Uh, EA uh, announced Anthem. Sorry. <laughs> um, so EA announced their quarter, and the quarter was terrible. Uh, you know, basically what we had, I think we had talked about at the podcast before was that Battlefield just really underperformed. You know, I think right. their expectations was it was going to do 12 to 14 million um, originally, and it did about seven, um, which I think we got right on the last podcast um but they also announced uh apex legends uh almost at the same time as their earnings release uh and uh and apex legends is kind of an interesting thing it's basically the guys from respawn who did titanfall and they use the same engine and the same tech i guess to build um another battle royale game um so it's interesting because the game is actually really well polished um, and it really Im improved some of the gameplay elements of Battle Royale for the better. Um, they, EA did an amazing job of keeping it secret. Uh, and, and so far, the marketing's been top notch and they've basically gotten all the major YouTube and Twitch guys like Ninja and Shroud and Laserbeam, who's one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> listening to my kids watch this nonsense. But um uh, but they did really introduce the game to the influencers early, got their kind of buy-in and brought them to an event, like I think a week or so before the launch. And then for the last couple of days, they've been playing the game nonstop and, and been very complimentary because actually the game is really, really good. You know, um, a few a few tweaks to it. They have a class system, kind of like Overwatch, where they have uh, three in a squad. 
Um, and there's different levels of gear depending on on where you land on the map. So like the more competitive parts of the map, there there be higher level gear. And um, what's really cool is there's a visual thing in which you can tell what kind of like armor people are wearing white, uh, I think blue and 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 um, purple. Um, but you know, there's some balancing that just needs to be done, but ultimately it's a, just a really great execution, um, on this. And then within the first few hours, uh, they had like about a 1 million people playing the game, download the game. And then for a few days, it was like two and a half million with 600,000 concurrent. Um, so overall, very, very strong, strong launch for EA. Um, you know, my quick take on this is like, I'm not really too sure if there's another, <laughs> If there's another, if there's really room for another game like this um, between PUBG and Fortnite, it seems you know the genre is pretty much satisfied. However, you know it may create its own little niche. Um, you know, as long as they continue to support it and add different things, um, it's certainly off to a strong start, and we'll kind of kind of see where it goes. And then the other part of this whole article, which was really confusing to me and annoying, is that you know my one of my takes is that uh, we're going to see another Titanfall this year, but. Vince, who's the head of the company, basically said, no, no, no more Titanfall. This is what we've been working on. And yet, like, I think a day later, Vince got on and said, oh, no, 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 we're working on some another Titanfall. <laughs> and I'm like, and so for my job, it's like really hard because I've basically been saying that Titanfall is coming. And uh, and so they're going back and forth. But it looks like they'll have another Titanfall as well as the Star Wars game um, coming out this year. So really strong uh, portfolio for uh, the guys at Respawn, but also for EA in general. So, and, and in closing, like the EA stock got just destroyed again. Um, you know, it was down to $80 a share from, you know, its highs at 140 um, because of, you know, the poor results from Q4 or from, uh, sorry, from holiday quarter. Um, so I think this next year looks really solid for them given their lineup. So I'm, I'm kind of banking on that, betting on them to do well this year versus a really bad, bad year last year. How about you? Great. What do you think about the game? Yeah. So I've been hearing just anecdotally a lot of really positive impressions of, about the game, although I haven't played it myself. But it really does seem like like the, the game from a game design perspective was fairly well thought out and uh, included a, a fair amount of different, differentiation in the game around, as you mentioned, classes and classability. Um, there seems to be a focus on squads, including dropping as a group, how they deal with player death, things like that. But um, But most of all, probably what you mentioned in terms of the gameplay and the shooting ex experience I've heard is just super solid and, and probably potentially best in class. The other thing that I liked about the article is just, as always, I, I love cons conspiracy theories and wild speculation. So the speculation in the article that uh, Apex Legends is just kind of a, kind of a repackage for like, you know, they were, like they were working on Titanfall 3, which was based on Valve's Source Engine, but they didn't feel like um, it was uh, good enough quality. And, and and so they decided to to use a different engine for Titanfall 3. And so so Titanfall 3 kind of got kind of got shifted over to be Apex Legends. And, and, you know, maybe now Titanfall 3 will be on a new engine, potentially Frostbite, which was causing the delays or things like that. So I always find that kind of industry speculation and in um, rumors kind of interesting. So that, 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 that was my basic take. Oh, that's interesting. So they, they, they bought more time by shipping this sort of a, like a mod of, of, <coughs> of Titanfall three and, and, 
Okay, that that would make sense because then they wouldn't have the time to for all the publishing stuff, and they wouldn't have time to to hype it up. It was just like something on the side as we concentrate on the something that we love, and now the something on the side became pretty big, right? Yeah, but I, I think overall, like it was it was exciting because it was one of those big launches that we very seldom see, if, if ever, from from publishers like EA because you know they have to beat the drum, they have to do all the hype. But now it just came out of the left. And, and became giant. I think it was 1 million players in eight hours and it's biggest on Twitch as of today. I checked that one out. Uh, and, and I think what also kind of, you know, pushed EA back from announcing this game is kind of uh, the recent PR trauma that they've been having, you know, the loot box trauma, Command and Conquer Rivals was a, was a, you know, a big disappointment for people when they revealed it at E3. And finally, it's not a, it's not a franchise, you know, Apex. Apex. So it's 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 essentially the first new game they released since Titanfall, and that was like 2014. And um, and yeah, I think it's I think I'm excited. I think this game can be something. I I, I kind of I know that PUBG and, and Fortnite are so dominant, but but given what Joe said is like the, the shooting experience is so phenomenal. Um, you know, that's something what Respawn knows how to do. So I think they have a, an upper hand compared to to Fortnite and PUBG in that. And and yeah, I'm I'm excited. Great, Mishkish. Do you want to um, introduce our last article? Yes, yes, for sure. And before I introduce that, I was actually listening to you guys. You were talking about like Eric is watching Twitch and and Joe is like YouTubing stuff. I feel so old around you guys. Like. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm barely catching up with the news, and you guys on like on Snapchat probably sending snaps <laughs> at each other. So, so no, but. believe me, you got to have some kids. That's when you just get introduced to all this stuff. I mean, some of the characters are really funny, like really <laughs> crass and funny. I don't know if my kids should be watching it, but but I, I, I actually sometimes really enjoy it because they're just kind of hilarious. In Apex. No, or, just 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 some of the personalities like Laser being this guy oh, from yeah, Australia. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the streamers. Yeah, yeah, and they all play together, right? So they're like all friends, and they're all playing online together, and like uh-huh. and they're all playing, uh, you know, Apex together, and they're laughing and you know getting their first battle royale, and I don't know, they're just funny. Yeah, I I need to get into that. I mean, if I were yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to teach you guys some Fortnite dances uh, <laughs> <laughs> next time we meet up, <laughs> or not. <laughs> All right, so, so so let's let's jump into uh, the the final one, which is Zynga pro- proclaims that turnaround is now complete as earnings show strong booking trend. So Zynga reported earnings yesterday and beat Q4 and guided well above Wall Street's estimates to 1.35 billion in revenue in. Um, What's a CY? Calendar 19. Calendar year 19 up from 970 million this year. So stock was up 7% after this report. And the majority of the growth was, was you know, of course, driven by the addition of Small Giant uh, and Small Giant and their, and their game Empires and Puzzles, as well as Gram Games, which they bought earlier. Um, so Small Giant from Finland and Gram Games, um, Turkish, half Turkish, half English. And by my estimate, almost 50% of overall mobile revenue from these two games, um, calendar year 2019. So they expect three games. Eric, is this your stuff written? Yeah, this is my stuff. I thought this was the article summary. <laughs> no, this is mine. Because <laughs> now I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is not an article summary. Why am I reading your text? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely, definitely haven't done this in a while because I'm like waiting, like, when is this article summary going to end? And it's actually pretty detailed and it says my estimate. So I don't want to say this is my estimate. Eric, this is yours. Can you read through this? <laughs> sure. Let me start from the top. Yeah, um, please. Anyway, so the, the 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 report was actually really solid uh, for them. And Wall Street had them kind of almost like up like 5 to 10% for calendar 19 um, and then they ended up like uh, basically guiding to up 40 percent. Um, so significantly above what Wall Street kind of expected from the company. Um, part of it's because, you know, a lot of the Wall Street guys are lazy and they don't update their model for, you know, the acquisition stuff. And part of it's because they don't really understand the scale of the acquisitions they've made. So anyway, as, as you said, the majority of the growth for next year, according to my estimates anyway, is, is about 50 percent of the overall revenue is from these two games, uh, you know, Empires and Puzzles um, and, and the Graham game. Um, so from from the company itself, they're planning on bringing out um, uh, Harry Potter, Puzzle Game, uh, Game of Thrones, Social Casino, and Farmville in the back half. Um, so anyway, I, you know, what's really vexing to me, and, I, and I'm not quite, I have to get, kind of like delve into this a little bit more, is that even though they are expecting this huge increase in revenue, they're saying that basically profitability will decline, which mm-hmm. does not really quite foot for me because when you change the scale of your revenue to such an extreme, if you're up 40%, that should flow through the bottom line. So I'm not really sure exactly what's going on. They say- part uh, of- I'll explain to that later, Eric. What's that? I, I think I could speak to you a little bit about that right. a little later, but no, please continue. Yeah, part of, it, part of it's because they have all these licenses, but these, these, these uh, licensed games are just not- nearly as big as, as the games they've just acquired. So, but my, I, my guess is basically they're just talking a huge uptick in, in UA spend. Um, and that's kind of what's driving a lot of these, these, these two games from, uh, from their acquisitions. So we'll see, you know, they were kind of cagey about it and not really being straightforward about it. Cause it's actually a very simple thing. It's like, what's your margin target for calendar 19? And, and they, they don't seem to, I don't know, they, could, they wouldn't explain it. So, um, so in my opinion, kind of these two games put Zynga in a different map, you know, different, you know, league as a publisher. You know, their revenue has gone from under a billion to over a billion and likely close to a billion five in the next couple of years. Um, but the nagging issue remains that I keep talking about with Zynga is that they've actually hasn't since Frank took over, they have not created a successful game, you know. And so all this all this has been done through existing games and or um uh, acquisitions. So Willy Wonka was one of the first games under his watch. Um, and that game is just does not seem to be scaling. So perhaps they'll start to scale at the beginning of the year, but they haven't really spent much on UA on it. It seems Farmville has been in development for uh, quite a while from the Helsinki team. Um, but that game seems to be in, in kind of some kind of limbo, uh, but they do expect it to be in beta within the next couple months. So we'll get a good look on that to see what's going on there. And then they have the other slots game, you know, with game of Thrones, uh, which I think is, I don't know, does the world need another slots game? Not quite sure about that one. Um, but anyway, these titles will be out uh, at the back half of the year and likely in beta relatively soon. So we'll see if they can actually execute against building their own games. And the, and, and the Star Wars game is well well off. I think it's probably next year at some time. So mm-hmm. what do you guys think, Michael? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think uh, 
either one. Hey, come on. I lived in the US. I'm Michael, basically. So, <laughs> so That's how we were uh, introduced. So I Yeah, guess. exactly. Uh, it works. So I took a look at Zynga's portfolio. I mean, I have been taking a look quite often, but it feels like based on the sensor tower data, the revenue was really stable around like 40 to 50 million a month of net revenue. And this is not calculating the in-app purchase, uh, the uh, not in-app purchase, this is in-app purchase revenue, but it's not looking at the ad revenue, which is quite significant with Zynga. So what you can also see that the installs have been declining throughout the year and are pretty much, you know, 25% less than they were in the January. So so we're seeing a, a bit of a decline over year on year, and that kind of shows that the monetization has been improving. So, um, you know, of course, they've been acquiring games like, like Gram Games and and the merge dragons in that sense that have been monetizing extremely well and that has been pushing up their revenue without really affecting that significantly the installs because those games are in sort of a um past that uh, install growth phase and more into that monetization and and like steady live operation phase so overall when you look at uh zynga's portfolio and kind of divide it into different genres from mid-core to casual to casino and sports before they acquired, um, before they acquired Small Giant, essentially thirty percent of the revenue was coming from the uh, the casual games, where Zynga previously was really good. But but you know, Merge Dragons was was about forty percent of overall revenue for the company. Games like like the Tropic Escape and Country Escapes, uh, they weren't really that great overall. Like two of the Farmville games were bringing about seven percent of all the all the revenue, and they have had as as Eric you mentioned is, issues with. With, with their puzzle game. So Wizard of Oz match was was pretty good. Um, I think racked overall like 5% of the of the revenue last year. But the Willy Wonka, as you mentioned, uh, hasn't been that big of a success and doesn't look like a game that they're going to scale up and it kind of stays small. So it's interesting to see what happens with the casual category when they introduce the Harry Potter puzzle game because that should essentially uh, push the revenues up quite significantly. But then again, it's coming at the same time with the um, with the Neantics uh, Harry Potter game, and there is already the Jam City Harry Potter game, and and you know word is on the street is that it's it's quite of an expensive IP to to license, and it's also not very easy uh, for for your creative marketing team. You know you have to approve your creatives. You can't really um, have that much fun when marketing this game, and that that kind of slows down your user acquisition. Um, after that, it's it's casino where Zynga is actually at, at its strongest or was at its strongest in terms of enough purchase revenue. So about forty percent coming in from Zynga Poker that they were saying was slowing down, uh, and and it does look like it slowed. It kind of declined a little bit, and that was due to some uh, Facebook related issues. Um, but it has been trending upward, so I think they've been pretty aggressive in terms of monetization. So Zynga Poker is is um, Zynga's number one revenue maker. And it's about 70%, 17% of the company's revenues. And then, Eric, you mentioned that nobody needs another slots games but or slots game. But I think Zynga loves slot games because uh, there are three slot games, Wizard of Oz, Headed Rich, and Willy Wonka, all bring about fourth of the company's, all companies in a purchase revenue. So, so they're highly profitable for Zynga, most likely. Um, it's, again, a question what happens with an IP like Game of Thrones, like how much do we have to pay for that? But but it looks like they're gonna they're gonna increase their uh, casino revenues, and as well we have to think about the games that they bought from Peak as well as Solitaire and others that even though are not really generating a lot of revenue those card games, but still there's there's a lot of installs in the year on those games and they probably are quite ad revenue heavy. Then final two categories for Zynga naturally sports with CSR 
two, uh, being the second biggest in-app purchase revenue driver for the company with about 70% of, of all the revenues. Um, and still, the game was on a little bit of an incline despite some competitors launching like Asphalt 9 from Gameloft and, and some other, other games kind of looking into that racing category. And where Zynga was always, since since several years, where Zynga was weakest was the biggest grossing category in, in mobile games, which is mid-core games. And before that, they essentially had Empires and Allies and Dawn of Titans, and those was quite a small games. Um, they got the other uh, Commander, Commander Star Wars Commander, but it's kind of like a, a legacy title almost on its last leg. And I think it's operated out of uh, natural motion these days. They got that from Disney. But with the addition of Empires and Puzzles, it's a whole new it's a whole new ball game. I mean, 23 million in revenues in December alone is is a it's a huge spike for for Zynga's Zynga's revenues, and it's a it's a it's a real real category now that, that Zynga has in, in in terms of midcore. But I do have to say, when looking at Empires and Puzzles revenues, and when when we were doing the the, the predictions as well, uh, that game declined quite significantly already in January, so it was down to 17 compared to 23 million in December net revenues. And um, it's, a, it's a question on how, how much they can grow because essentially, if you look at the category, if you look at puzzle RPGs, that game is, is highly accessible. It's kind of between that super hardcore of Legendary and, and that extra casual game like, like Best Fiends. But at the same time, they've been pumping money into user acquisition. So how soon will, will they be at the point where they've kind of gone through the audience and, and the potential audience because in, in the end the puzzle rpgs is not that big of a of a player base so so i i think that game will taper off this year and and zynga will be you know in in lookout for new mid-core games which they definitely need over to you jk great yeah so i think you know and and we just just to be clear to the audience, we, we were kind of scrambling and kind of looking at the financials for Zynga shortly before the call. But, you know, one of the things that kind of jumped out to me was that while Dow and Mao are rel- were relatively the same and revenues relatively flat from 2017 to 2018, uh, free cash flow jumped quite a bit from 84 million in 2017 to 157 million in 2018. And just kind of, you know, just talking to Eric ahead of the call, like, why is that? You know, one of the, um, you know, one one of the points that Eric made was to make sure that we don't focus on revenue, but focus on bookings. And so, and I I think this is one of the, um, one one of the big, uh, not a big issue, but, but one of, one of the nuances um, in, in looking at company financials that isn't super well understood outside of the finance guys. But, um, well, I'll just go ahead and explain the difference. So like the, the general difference between bookings and and revenue is that um, revenue is generally deferred over a period, at least for Zing over 10 months. And so let's say like someone made a $10 IAP purchase today you would book only $1 of that revenue for this month. And then over the following nine months, you would book like a dollar of, rev- of revenue moving forward. And so, you know, that could potentially be the, the, the big explanation behind, um, you know, why, while we're seeing kind of re- revenues relatively flat, that we should be, uh, again, to Eric's point, uh, focusing more on bookings versus revenue. Um, and I think the, the other uh probably the, the other nuance there is that um, rev- revenue accounts for chargebacks and things of that nature. Is that right, Eric? Yeah, no, that's correct. And, and when, you're, uh, when you're working on Wall Street, um, generally speaking, you look at uh, bookings. You don't ever kind of look at revenue um, because bookings just kind of represents what they're bringing in 
at that particular uh, time period. And what's what's gets it more complicated is that you have your 10 month amortization thing that you've just kind of outlined, but every type of revenue that EA brings in is actually amortized at different rates and different time periods. So it gets so complicated right. that if you really want to know how much right. revenue is coming in in a given period, you just focus on net bookings. Um, and they, and right. most of the companies do report that, um, you know, as, as part of their press releases, but it's often confused even by press that have been doing this for a long time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, everyone only looks at really bookings. Right. So just looking at the Zynga financials, the other interesting aspect was just looking at the reliance on advertising revenue. And I think this is uh, definitely more of an industry structural trend where we're, we're definitely seeing the ability to integrate advertising revenue into games much more strongly. And so from the first quarter of 18 to um, Q4 of, of 18, we, we saw a jump in ad revenue from 22% to 29%. Um, and also, as, as Zynga revenue as, as Zynga revenue mix starts to include less mature games, we are seeing a steady increase in marketing as a percentage of revenue from about thirty two percent to thirty four percent for from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen. And um, Eric, to your point before, in terms of um, potential pressure on on, on margins uh, moving forward, so you know Mishka, you know. Uh, very, he invited me to RovioCon last year, and one of the one of the interesting points that was made uh, by Small Giant during that conference was that um, they were actually spending a, a pretty significant percentage of their revenue on on user acquisition. So, like you know, so Zynga we're seeing thirty two to thirty four percent from a marketing perspective, probably largely driven by UA. And for a game like Empires and Puzzle, we're, we're talking about something closer to 47%. And so when we look at and especially for, for startups, uh, startup game companies, we, we do see that they generally tend to, to drive UA to the point of, of, of break even. So, you know, so I, I think what we're likely to see is that, you know, moving forward for, for a game like Empire and Puzzle, that um, if Zynga manages for, for profitability on that game, that the revenue growth decreases, or we, we will see uh, pressure on, on margins from user, acquisi- from user acquisition. And then just kind of generally moving forward to, to Eric's point, um, wh- whether it's from UA costs or, or because of the license games moving forward, I, I do think that we will see increased pressure on margins. Yeah, and I guess what my point is, and what was a little bit frustrating to me, um, is that why not? Why didn't they just say that, right? That, I mean, that, that would seem to be implied with what they're saying. It's like, well, UA costs are going up because yeah. these games require you know significant investment in UA. It's a very simple thing to say. And maybe they didn't want to lead with that because they, you know, maybe they feel that that's to be negative. But I wish, I wish they had been a little bit more kind of straightforward about it. And um, and 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 the ironic part is we won't really see the results until the end of Q1, right? And and when they report to see kind of the impact. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. Does the does Zynga inform in any way their corporate governance governance model for for user acquisition? Like, do they say what's their payback or anything like that? No, just just marketing as a you know just just their marketing. Spend. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because you know, assuming with with games like, you know, with games like Empires and Puzzles, they've they've really stretched out the uh, the the uh, the LTV and the and the and the payback times. So uh, I don't know. In order to bid higher. Right. 
Okay, well, that is it. Actually, did we want to end with a question? Mishka, do you, do you, do you, yeah, I, I know we were going to try and end with a question. But I, 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 I love it. I love it. So, so you guys were in a, such a good groove. I mean, I listened to the couple of two podcasts, so I'm sorry to, to kind of break in here. Ill-prepared, reading Eric's notes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think it was a, it was a good podcast. I, I learned a lot about the um the uh, op- not not OPEX versus CapEx, but but overall bookings versus versus revenue. So I think I think it's a good to to leave a leave a question for people to to, to comment and send us notes. I mean, we've been getting tremendous amount of. Uh, you know, emails and, and feedback regarding not only the predictions that we post, but also this podcast. Uh, a lot of a lot of good good feedback, and and somebody almost wants to punch JK for for constantly constantly <laughs> promoting that Fox Next is being sold. <laughs> so, I'll take some uh, heat arguably, for that too, because you know, at the end of the day, like when these companies get acquired, right? These big companies get acquired. The assets that they're not very interesting or are not, not very strategic for them. Are often put up for sale, and so like you're seeing articles from Disney. You know that leader of Disney is basically saying, "We love <laughs> our licensing model as it is, including our relationship with EA, and we're we're not changing that." Well, what does yeah. that mean? That means that you know, bye bye, Fox. You know, like let's be honest about it, right? That's yeah. I, so, so we understand the uh, the we understand that, and then yes, you can be mad at JK, but. Uh, it's good to remember that we're not journalists. We're we're literally shooting the shit, and um, <laughs> and, and you know some some something lands. But if we want to leave out, leave you know leave people with a question, something that you could really get back to us with our own Twitter or or LinkedIn or email. I mean, you've been using all the channels. It's it's mainly like, what do you think is going to happen with Zynga? You know, next year, like what's going to happen with with their with with the upcoming Formula Three, with the upcoming titles like. Um, the Harry Potter game, Harry Potter puzzle game, Game of Thrones slots game, and what was the other third one? The Star Wars game. So, how do you think those are going to impact, and and how do you think uh, Zynga's performance will be going forward? Those would be my questions. Do you guys have any any interesting questions you'd you'd like to ask our thousands of of listeners? Uh, maybe also just how how we think um, you know a- Apex Legends is going to do phenomenally. You know, I, there's there's no. Yeah. I mean, Eric already told that these streamers that he really loves are are, are liking the game. Well, yeah, we'll see if they. Uh, my my thinking is that they'll play the game as long as they're paid, but ultimately their audience is all about uh, Fortnite. You know, it's all about the kids, right? Ninja Shroud. Well, Shroud's a little bit more variety, but. But uh, laser beam in particular, like, you know, they're going to go right back to their kitty kitty, you know, let's play Fortnite and do stupid dances. <laughs> they'll, yeah, they'll play whatever they're paid for and whatever their li- their viewers like to watch. Exactly. Because this did happen with Blackout, if you don't remember, Call of Duty. Yeah. For the first few days of their beta, you know, we had Shroud and a bunch of and Ninja playing, but they never went back to the game. I don't think. I mean, I've never seen them on the game since then. And if you look at the mm. Twitch streamers, it's like it's like nothing for that game, uh, given how big it was. Damn. Damn. Well, we wish wish all the best to EA and Apex and Respawn. So, do you want to end up on this positive note? <laughs> all right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> this week in games, same. Actually, not the same time. We we do this on random times, but it will be next week. It will be sometime next week. Just most important thing for for our listeners is to subscribe. That's the only way you'll get this because because it just drops on random day. 
<laughs> All right. We'll see All you right. next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you, folks, for listening to this episode. As always, please do leave a comment. Please do send a note. Uh, we, I mean, I personally really enjoy getting getting all the uh, all the messages from you. Um, truly powerful stuff. And please do rate this podcast and subscribe to it, whatever platform you're using. And most importantly, please do keep in mind that all the opinions, literally all the opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not reflect those of our employers. So Joseph Kim works at the NBC Universal and I work at the powerful Rovio Entertainment and whatever we say is definitely our own opinion. So that's it. Tune in next week. Hope you enjoyed the uh, this episode and, and the next next one will be always better. Thanks, guys.